Blog Talk Radio. He doesn't mean to brag, but he has to boast because his favorite all-time baseball player is, of course, Ned Yost, Coach Mike Jones. Some show notes if you are looking for some professional wrestling today. If you're in the Seattle area, you can head down to the Climate Pledge Arena as AEW and New Japan present Wrestle Dream, the very first Wrestle Dream pay-per-view there putting it on in honor of the late Antoki, Antonio Inoki, who passed away one year ago. Very exciting couple of days in Seattle as we had collision, as well as a Ring of Honor taping last night. Coach Mike Jones and myself both in attendance, weren't we, Coach? Exactly. Real School Army in the house, the NGW Green Room in the house, Seattle Sports Union was in the house. Yvonne Sieber was in the house. Man, there was many people. Azim was in the house. Azim yes, Muhammad. Yes, was in Hamlin. Okay, yeah. And then, of course, your wife, I'm sure. And then your brother. She was there. My brother is in town. He was there. I saw some production people from Northwest Pro. I know Keith Ryan, old Ken Hamlin's broadcast partner, was there. I even saw that dastardly old evil referee, Paul Anthony, lurking around at AEW. Right on. Nice. Okay, yeah. And then, man, I'm looking forward to today, man. I'm really, I sure hope Claudio can win today, even though I think that's a tall order going against Josh Barnett. My goodness. Now, Coach, can we confirm that this Josh Barnett character is, in fact, the cousin of Beast Barnett? I'm not sure. We'll have to look into that. Let's get Demetri on that right away. Yeah, Demetri, if you're listening, we need confirmation on the relationship between Beast Barnett and Josh Barnett. I'm going to presume that they're cousins. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely a possibility. And I hear you got some results from last night. Uh, Indeed. Now, we saw old powerhouse Hobbs defeat local favorite and Buddy Wayne Academy graduate Cody Chun last night, one half of C4. He did not do so well against powerhouse Hobbs. No, and it was confirmed that Sonico was going to to wrestle Hobbs, but it was a late late replacement was Cody Chung. And I sort of didn't like to see either local person get squashed. Well, I mean, it happens, and as you know, having promoted many a show, Coach, the card is subject to change. That's true. That's true. And then ho- we're looking forward to seeing Nick Wayne tonight, right? Yes, Nick Wayne kicks off the pre-show, I believe. He is wrestling Luchasaurus, the former TNT champion. 
Yes. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I'll be going for Nick Wayne. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Coach, I believe you were there. I know I was there when Nick Wayne made his very first professional appearance. He was refereeing an eight-man tag, his father and several of the Buddy Wayne Academy students. Nick Wayne, I believe, was nine years old when he refereed that first-ever match. Yes, I definitely was there. That was quite the night. Yes, SCW, baby. Absolutely. I know Kevin Sullivan was looking on with interest on that match as well. Yes, yes, part of the real school army at the time. Nice. Now, Coach, also there was that big eight-man tag last night. Brian Danielson's team did not quite get the win there. They were defeated by old Ricky Starks' team. Not a popular result amongst the Seattle natives as Brian Danielson was given a hero's welcome upon his return to Seattle in the very building where everyone thought his career was finished for good. Definitely, yes. And then, yeah, there was quite the stirrup after that match. All the fans in my section was sort of pissed off at Aubrey saying she didn't do a good job. But I touched base with you shortly after that, and you confirmed that you thought she did a great job. So, you know, I thought she did a phenomenal job. Now, here's some irony for you, Coach. That very same night in that very same building when Brian Danielson gave his speech where he was planning to retire for good due to concussion issues, a pre-in-the-wrestling-business Aubrey Edwards at ringside crying her eyes out. It became a viral video. She was just bawling her eyes out. South Park Bellinger tried to run up and kidnap Daniel Bryan right behind her, but if you watch the tape back, you see a not-yet-in-the-business Aubrey Edwards bawling her eyes out when... Brian Danielson gave that speech, and here they are all these years later back in that same venue as colleagues and co-workers in the same match. What kind of irony is that? Man, what a legacy. And then a disclaimer also for Aubrey, uh, it was confirmed that she's just getting over illness right now too, so maybe that's what they saw. That could be. uh, She was not feeling well last week, even had to miss the AEW Unrestricted podcast, which she co-hosts. So you know she's not feeling well if she misses an episode of her own podcast. Exactly, and we're huge fans of hers here in the Northwest, yes. Absolutely. She was phenomenal from the very, very start. All right, and then what do you got coming up uh, on Turnbuckle? Well, let's see. Let me grab the old date book here. I can confirm next next Saturday, October 7th, I've got Scotty Mack in the house on the Coach Mike Jones Show podcast at noon Pacific. That is confirmed. So, coming up on Turnbuckle on the 6th, we have Ben Bossman on the 8th, which is a week from today, 
Matt Classic from the AIWF. On the 15th, we have Sumite. On the 20th, we have Tom Sieb. On the 22nd, we have the return of Stuart Kemp. The rest of the dates are being lowercase t crossed and lower i dotted as we speak. So the rest should be filled out, but that's who we have confirmed to this point. Right on. Okay, yes. And then I'm working on my schedule, too, once I get the rest of that. I just had an awesome show yesterday with Andrea the Giant, and that's the one and only Andrea the Giant, real school army member, and she's caused destruction all over the world, and her name is Trademark Baby to be an actual statement of she's the one and only. Now, Coach, here's a little bit of trivia. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, actually. I once managed Andrea the Giant. Cool. Nice. All right. All right. Yeah, might as well give out my shout-outs right now because uh, I want to shout-out to Wild Lyle and uh, QT Vokes and JD for making Turnbuckle Turmoil and for you guys having me on to take QT's place and all the other co-hosts that work for Turnbuckle Turmoil and all the guests we've had. Very grateful. You guys can check me out at Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most, coming at you from coast to coast. I'm also on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the Real School Army and the NGW Green Room for hundreds of interviews and the Coach Mike Jones Show podcast every every Saturday at noon Pacific. Love you guys all. Thank you so much. Coach, we did see earlier this week on uh, Wednesday, some of the local Alaskan sports entertainers got a chance to perform at Dynamite for AEW. Uh, we saw Bryson Axel up there and a few other of JT West and White Area T Perry Jones trainees. So congratulations to the Alaskan crew that got a rare look by some of the national companies. You don't see... A lot of the Alaskans get looked just because of geography, but definitely glad to see they are on the map. Definitely, and what a dream come true, and that's always been my dream for for big-time national companies when they come to each city, that they use local talent. Because, you know, WWE used to do that a, a lot back in the day, and then they quit doing that for years. So it's nice to see AEW do that more often now. For sure. And then, hey, uh, also, James, if you are uh, interested, you can also jump over to the YouTube's on the Book of Faces. You can find lots of videos there at the Sign Guy seventy seven. Hopefully, you will subscribe because otherwise, Stomp and Steve. It's a sneezy head and a nervous stomach. And you don't want that. He does. He does, yes. Now, Coach, did you check out the massive controversy last night there at Climate Pledge Arena? Did you see the massive, massive controversial issue that took place that the sports entertainment world is a buzz about this morning? 
Um, I've seen that Zack Sabre Jr. got in Brian Danielson's face at the end of the match, and then uh, to the to the point where Brian Danielson like sort of left his team hanging because he's distracted by Zack Sabre. <laughs> I mean, that was there, but did you see the massive commentary that is all over the world because of that controversial moment? No, I haven't. Big Bill had the gall and the fortitude to come out on national television wearing a knockoff Stompin' Steve shirt, a shirt Stompin' Steve had designed a decade ago, and Big Bill just ripped it off, put Bill where it used to say Stompin' Steve, and he acted like it was his. Oh, I don't. I don't feel too good about Bill's chances on that one because uh, I would honestly be willing to bet. Ordinarily, Big Bill could probably beat Steve, maybe. But now that he did that to his shirt, uh, that evened up the odds a little bit. Stompin' Steve definitely might have the edge here. I think Stompin' Steve needs to call Stephen Pinu and get on that lawsuit. But coach. Our guest has joined us today, and I want to welcome him to the program. We are joined today by the modern-day outlaw, Aiden Perrin. Aiden, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. No problem. Howdy. How are you doing? Doing well today. And since today is your first time with us, I will lead you off today with our traditional first-timer question how did you get into this crazy business of professional wrestling? Well, uh, it was a combination of a couple things. Uh, bad parenting, um, bad life decisions, and then just being crazy generally. Um, I uh, turned 18, and I actually applied to the Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy down in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, with uh, Dr. Tom and uh, Glenn, who many people might know as Kane. And... Uh, got accepted and moved 12 hours away from home and went to chase the dream. You need a hot water, right? Can you hear me? Now, when you go to chase the dream, did you have any type of previous background that was going to give you an edge, be it an athletic background or drama or having a relative in the business previously, anything like that that was going to give you a foundation, uh, or did you come into a cold? I was never really a big high high school athletics guy, um, but I was on the weightlifting team, uh, and I uh, did some MMA as as a adolescent, as a teen. I did some MMA, um, but really, no, I have no relatives in the business. Um, I have really no major athletic background. I was just a big old country kid. And uh, that's kind of how I – I've just always been a wrestling fan. I was never much of a – I've never been a fan of too many other sports, so I never really played much. And uh, I really have not much of a background other than that. Uh, I didn't really do any drama. I did, I did choir in high school. But uh, we don't have a great drama program where I'm from. I'm from a super rural area in Iowa, so that wasn't really much of an option. But uh, – yeah, I just kind of came into the business cold. 
Uh, you are still fairly new to the wrestling business. You've only been in for a short time, relatively speaking. Going in cold, is wrestling how you would have imagined it when you started to train, or is it something completely different than what you had expected it to be so far? Um, It's fairly similar to what I imagined when I started training. But before training, not at all. I thought it was something complete. It would be something completely different than it is, and, and it's it's not nothing like what I I thought it was. But in the best of ways, um, you know, when I, before I started training, I thought professional wrestling was a little bit. Uh, I romanticized it from all the stories you hear about, you know, all the crazy folks in the '80s and stuff. But you know. Wrestling is that way in a sense, but it's also not. It's it's fairly accessible. It, it's like, for me at least, my experience in the business is everybody tends to be fairly nice and fairly good people. And so you don't typically deal with a lot of folks who are, you know, the, you know, the way you hear about in all the stories. But there is some crazy folks in every business, I suppose. But, yeah, no, it's it's not as crazy as what I thought it would be. And when you are getting started like you are, I know a lot of times younger wrestlers have times where it's hard to get bookings because a lot of promoters don't like to use young wrestlers that they didn't personally train on shows. Do you find that being young in the business, it is a little bit difficult getting bookings yet, or do you think that because of your size, it's making things a little bit easier than it would have been otherwise? Wow, that's a great, that's a fantastic question. And uh, yes, it is hard to get booked, especially out in Iowa, um, because there is so many wrestling schools, and it, it, there really is a big nepotism thing in indie wrestling where. You know, if I didn't train you, I really don't want to book you because then I'm taking a spot away from a guy I did train. So it isn't necessarily always merit-based. Sometimes it's kind of who you know. Um, My size helps, you know, sometimes in a sense, but it also can hurt me. It kind of depends on the style of show people are running. If, you know, they're running a more traditional old-school show, then I certainly find it easier to get booked. But if it's more of a modern indie style of a show, it it is a little bit difficult to get booked. One of the ways that a lot of wrestlers, whether they're young in the business or established in the business, tend to get booked is a lot of times they will go into a promotion and offer their services for free as sort of a tryout and if both sides are happy, then they can discuss future paid bookings. Are you running into situations where promoters will offer that to you, or do you offer it to promoters as a way to be seen by more people and hopefully pick up uh, better bookings down the line? Yes, yes, I have done that in the past. But um, it's usually with folks that I I know. Um, for example, I'm not going to name the promotion per name because I have a good relationship with them. 
and I don't want to disclose their business and stuff. But I work for free for them um, whenever they're doing uh, anything with their Patreon because they have a pretty strong following on Patreon, and I look at that like an advertisement for myself. So whenever I work with them, and especially when they do seminars, because they have, you know, like they had Brutal Bob Evans. I attended his seminar with them, and he's amazing. I worked for free that night because I was happy to have the opportunity to go to the seminar and the publicity of doing the Patreon. So, yes, that is a a big factor, and I have offered that in the past. But that's not typically for every promotion because a lot of the time, if you're doing a a long amount of travel – and a, a big trip, you at least kind of want to be paid something. Um, if they ask, I'm certainly willing to listen to that. You know, hey, we'll see how this works for further bookings. But you never, you know, I never want to get into a situation where someone's like, oh, what, you work for free this time. That seems to be the plan, you know, depending on the situation. In most promotions, one other way to get bookings is by offering yourself as something other than entering talent. Guys will ring announce, they'll referee, they'll do security, they will manage, and then if an opportunity for an entering match happens, then they can transition and get established that way. With your size, you're not the standard referee or ring announcer type, do you ever look at a promoter and tell him that you will do other jobs like that, or do you pretty much only work in ring because of how big you are? Uh, I've worked security in the past. Um, Actually, when I was at Dr. Tom's school down south, we did uh, security constantly. So for the shows like uh, there was a promotion called Joe Kazana Promotions, which is a great promotion. They draw all the way up to 1,000 people several times a year, Um, and we would work security for those shows. And so, you know, my size kind of blended in, and Doc told me especially, he's like, hey, wear dark clothes and a black T-shirt because we don't want you to be seen as much as – and they they kept me as far away from the entranceway as they could so that I wasn't standing next to the talent. So there is a way to kind of disguise that, and I'm always willing to help set up and tear down a ring if asked to, or I'll even offer sometimes and, you know, pitch in and help. I have no problem with that. It's just I, I there's no way to referee, um, and there's really no way to manage at my size or ring announce for that matter. Just anything that I would be in front of the people for, it's really, really difficult because when you're six foot three and 300-plus, it, it, you know, you can really diminish the size of the talent. And, you know, you don't want to take away from the talent ever. Hopefully people in the wrestling business are listening to that and remember that some people do not understand that part of it. I've always loved the Paul Heyman technique where he would say you want to amplify the strengths of your talent times 10 and diminish the weaknesses as much as possible. You know, so if there's talent that's under six foot, it's kind of hard to stick them next to me, unless we're a tag team, of course. Exactly. Well, at this point, my co-host, Coach Mike Jones, is standing by, and I know Coach has questions to ask of you, so I'm going to pass things over to the coach with the most. 
Yes, sir. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. How you doing? Nice to meet you, man. How's it going? I'm doing great. Good. Yes. Thanks for coming on. I'm enjoying your story. Okay. My, my, my first My first segment is called Heroes. Who's your heroes growing up? And that includes sports, music, wrestling, and ordinary life. Okay. I have three major heroes in my life. Um, my first one is my grandfather. Um, he is, was the closest person in my entire life. Uh, he's unfortunately passed away now, but, uh, as a kid, him and I used to watch, uh, wrestling every single Saturday night. Um, and that's kind of how I fell in love with the business. And so I, he's my first hero. Um, the man was crazy. He was a race car driver, a radio disc jockey, a deputy sheriff, um, you name it, he did it. So uh, he was my first hero. Um, my second biggest hero would have to be, oh, probably Dusty Rhodes when it pertains to wrestling. Uh, I love Dusty. I think he's the greatest promo of all time, one of the greatest champions of all time. When it comes to pure talent, I don't think the business will ever see somebody with as much charisma as Dusty again. Um, and then uh, maybe one in sports would probably have to be. Um, I've always loved the mentality of uh, Kobe Bryant, the Mamba mentality. I was a big fan of Kobe's, and unfortunately now he's also passed away. Uh, but, yeah, he was another big hero of mine. I, I'll remember, you know, his last game where he scored 60. That was just so prophetic because there was no other way for him to go out other than being dominant and game-changing. So yeah, sure, he did ma- Kobe. He, yeah, he did some magical things in his career. Yeah, exactly. And he uh, definitely a definition of clutch, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. He he grew in the bigger moments. He he did not diminish. So he was a huge star. Okay, any other uh heroes in sports or music? Music. Uh Ronnie James Dio. I love me some Dio. Um, yeah. Very underrated. People don't realize how great he was, I don't think. For sure Dio um sports uh, another guy, I'm a huge Joe Montana fan. Um, I just, as a kid, I always, I heard stories of Montana and then going back and watching the games with my grandpa on, uh, ESPN classic. I, I loved Joe Montana. Um, oh, well, uh, Jerry Rice is another guy who I think is incredible. Um, Someone a little more contemporary, uh, Jason Kelsey off the Eagles. I think he's a great dude and just an all-around superstar, one of the toughest guys in the entire National Football League. Yeah, and it's nice to see he's got a sweet girlfriend. <laughs> yes, good for him, right? Yeah, and both of them, yeah, geez, exactly. Yeah, they're both oh. they're both Hall of Famers, which – you know those parents have got to be so proud of both of those guys. They're both going to be future Hall of Famers. Yeah, and they're decent role models. I mean, he, Kelsey did knock out one of his players the other day. But 
his teammates you remember in practice. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It, it, I heard about that. To, you gotta, it seemed to straighten things right up, though, didn't it? It it adjusted the situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and then I'm sure it's a, it was a situation where they made him do that. It wasn't like he's just out to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, now this next segment is called Favorites. I'm sure Sign Guy and the rest of the fans would like to know, if you drink coffee... What's your favorite coffee to drink? I do not drink coffee. I don't like coffee. Oh. I'm not a coffee guy. Yeah, um, that's why I put that disclaimer, and we get that about 45% now. But So what's your favorite drink? I, My favorite drink? Uh, I'm a Diet Coke guy. I'm a Diet Coke guy. I love me some Diet Coke. Um, other than that, uh, I love I love orange juice with pulp with pulp that is an important disclaimer right there with pulp. okay cool okay now on the favorites what have been your favorite concerts to see i've seen dio twice in the same year once on new year's with in ingway open for him are you serious i am so yeah. incredibly jealous of that you have no idea uh concerts yeah uh, excuse me since we're on that the other time was helix and white snake opened <laughs> Rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> anyway, excuse me. Um, I've actually this is gonna sound kind of weird. I've never been to a concert. Okay. I've never now, been to a concert. I'm sure you've seen some bands play. None that you can think of any names that you want to give any shout outs to, huh? Shout outs to some bands. Oh, trying to think here <laughs> yeah i know it's a quiz uh, i come from a town of 300 people in iowa okay geez. Uh, yeah yeah okay uh so it's super difficult um i am every bit of the the most bumpkins redneck person you're ever gonna meet uh i'm i'm planning on this uh november going to see a uh, cody jinx live in concert uh the uh, he's a country music artist. He wrote uh, Hip Cowboys, um, several others. I love his music, so I'm excited to go see him for my first concert. And then in May, I actually am planning on going to see George Strait and uh, Chris Stapleton. I'm cool, a country nice. music guy, too, so I'm excited okay, about well, that. What have been your favorite sports teams in your life? My favorite sports teams? I'm a Chiefs fan. Uh, been a long-time Chiefs fan, so I have suffered. I'm not a bandwagon. Uh, but other teams, uh, University of Tennessee, go Vols. Uh, when I was living down there, I kind of fell in love with that team. Was never really a big college football fan, but uh, last year it was just kind of magical. I I felt the city of Knoxville fall or be in love with the team, and it was just infectious. I'm a Vols fan. Um, other than that, uh, when it comes hey, to uh, basketball, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, one of Sign Guy's favorite teams is his uh, high school civics team. So yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I love civics too. Uh, I guess for basketball, I'm a Bulls fan, a big Bulls fan. Uh, other than that, I'm really not a a big sports guy. 
I pay attention to the NFL, some NBA, some college. And then other than that, I'm a big MMA guy, huge into MMA, huge into boxing. Um, I could go on and on about bare knuckle fighting, uh, Muay Thai, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, okay. grappling championships. I'm, I'm big into combat sports, but nice. I'm not okay. too big into traditional sports. Yeah, I'm part of the Real School Army. I formed it years ago, and I've had Stefan Bonner, UFC Hall of Famer, on our team. And unfortunately, he passed away last year. Rest and then I I sponsor one of the top bare-knuckle boxer, boxers, uh, J.D. Burns, out of uh, Lakewood, Washington. He's won a few of those down in Florida, and he's been all over uh, London and all over. Wow, that's crazy. So you're actually, you own a whole a team. No, no, I sponsored one fighter only, you know. Got Got you. Yeah, yeah, Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Bonner was a huge star. I remember him as a kid. I remember – I got a question for you. Do you remember the uh, Chael Sonnen and Stephen Bonner skit about John Jones? Oh, yes, definitely, man. I love that. I I just rewatched that the other day. I'm a huge Chael Sonnen fan. Um, He's actually my favorite fighter of all time. But I'm a huge nice. Stephen Bonner fan too. It's yeah, that was a tragedy. Um, but yeah, that fight with Forrest Griffin really put the UFC on the map. A lot of modern. Oh, it fans did. Don't it did. Without that. that, they were they were like they on think... their way out without that. <laughs> Yo, they would have closed. Dana White even yeah. said that. A lot of people think the UFC's history kind of started with Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey. And yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm a fan all the way back. I my favorite fight exactly. of all time are Strike Force and Pride. So. You know, I, okay. I'm a huge fan of the stuff all the way back. I, I think Stefan's great. Very underrated. Nice. People don't get just how skilled he was for the day because he doesn't then, look like the fighters do today. They, you know, say he didn't oh, look athletic, yeah, yeah. but he looked like a whole regular dude you would see if you were sitting in an airport. And uh, so I'm a huge Stefan Bonner fan, and that's a tragedy. Yeah, not only him and, and Shale are great people. They're so funny. They're so smart. They're so witty. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Chael, especially. He's a huge professional yeah. wrestling fan. A lot of people don't know that, you know, that are just fight fans. But a lot of his, his entire act or gimmick or whatever character was all just stuff he took from professional wrestling and applied to fighting. And I, I love Chael Simmons' podcast. I listen to that every time it's it's on. I, you know, I think Chael's great. Huge Chael yeah, Sonnen fan. Too. Me too. Okay, nice. All right, this next segment is called Memorable Matches. Tell the fans the most memorable matches you've ever seen, and that includes VHS tape, internet, live, whatever, the most memorable matches you've seen. Oh, okay. I have a few really weird ones. So my taste in wrestling is old stuff, territories, old, old, old stuff. That's my favorite style, and it, that's just – I'm an old-school guy. Um, yeah. And interestingly enough, we lost cable in my hometown when I was about seven or eight. Wow. And so I couldn't watch wrestling every week. But my mom, she bought 500 VHS tapes from a lady in town. Dang. And I would watch one every single night, and it was stuff from the 80s and stuff from the yeah. early 90s and some late 90s WCW. The good stuff, not the bad stuff. 
some of yeah. the bad stuff too. But we don't talk about that. Um, but I I fell in love. My favorite match of all time probably would have to be Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in Chicago at the Chi Town Rumble. And I have watched that match so many times. I mean, spot for spot, I could probably write that match out. Yeah. The highest caliber wrestling has ever got to, and I don't think it'll ever approach that again. I, I hate to sound like a pessimist, but, I mean, everything in that match not only looked so incredible and entertaining, but looked so real. People don't. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it looked like those guys were really struggling. It felt like only true sporting can make you feel. It yes, was, it was hey, huge. I love that. And then not to go out on a limb here, it's like we can ask Sign Guy here, too. When people talk about some of their best matches, that series and that feud is right up there with probably the most listed matches of greatest matches. What do you think, Sign? It's probably 30%. I don't know. Well, I actually list as my favorite match of all time that very same Steamboat Flare match. So I think that's dead on. It's an incredible match. Now, Aiden, I've got to ask you this real fast, not to step on Coach's toes. Do you watch that match back, and do you look at Dave Meltzer going nuts in the front row as well? Yes. (laughs) I think that's amazing. I, I'm i actually not a Meltzer hater. A lot of guys who are old school like me are Meltzer haters. I think Meltzer's cool, and I think it's great to see him being a fan like that. And then my second favorite match actually has a little bit of a story, too, with that. It's uh, Terry Funk versus Harley Race in Houston, and the reason why I love that match so much is it's the two out of three falls. has the greatest finish of all time, in my opinion. But uh, my trainer, Dr. Tom Pritchard's in the front row as a teenager freaking out as a fan. And so I just love – I love seeing people that I respect so much in the business be a fan like me. Because at the end of the day, yeah. the biggest marks in the entire world for professional wrestling are the people crazy enough to get involved with professional wrestling. We're the biggest marks, whether it be <laughs> the media, whether it be the wrestlers, the referees, the ring announcers – the people who help set up the ring, the people who own promotions, we love the business the most that we get into the business. And so I like you mentioned Meltzer there, that's great to see someone love it so much. Yes, definitely. And wrestling, a thing that you can actually have something like you say is the greatest finish of all time and that you can actually implement that into your career. Many times if you want, or just once. I imagine you've implemented that at least once. Do you do you know what the finish is of that match? I can't, not off the top of my head. So the funk race finish was two out of three falls. They had finally had a fall apiece. They were going about 45 minutes, and I think it's around the 43-21 mark of the match. I could be wrong. Terry Funk had a pretty good gash opened up on his head. He was bleeding like crazy. It was the time. They bled a lot. Um, and Terry's just bleeding like a stuck hog, but he puts on the spinning toehold on Harley. The thing about the spinning toehold is Terry would lean forward with it, and one of the weaknesses of that is it leaves your face exposed. 
And so Harley would punch him in the face. And Terry would spin around and lock the hold in some more. And Harley would punch him in the face. And Terry would spin around and Harley would punch him in the face. Wow. Where Funk is bleeding all the way down past his tights, just gushing blood. And Harley is in the spinning toe like he's about ready to tap, but the referee stops the match. And because of the blood loss of Terry. Yeah, yeah. And, and Terry was crazy. for the NWA's <laughs> world heavyweight title, which at the time truly was a world heavyweight title. When they say that, yeah. that meant really world heavyweight title. Like the next week, Harley was in Australia. But um, oh, yeah, the, no, yeah. the match was incredible. It made Terry Funk look like a superhero. It was just sport and drama fused perfectly. That's finish of all time. Sweet. Okay. Now tell the fans the most memorable matches you've been involved with. My most memorable match. Um, I have a couple favorites. Um, I was in my first match ever was in LaFollette, Tennessee, my graduation match for the JPWA, and I love that match. That match was put together by Dr. Tom and the six of us. And when I say we had the crowd legitimately all standing by the end of it, that's not an understatement. It was – we had the pop of the night that night. Really nothing went wrong. We all fired on all cylinders. We all got reactions. It was about a 300-person crowd. They run every two weeks at SPCW Southern Pride Championship Wrestling. And it was a it was a good match. I I love that match. Um, and then another memorable one. Um, I'm trying to describe this one as best as I can without giving names of because I don't. I got involved unfortunately when I got back to Iowa with an Illinois promotion that I'm not going to name. I wasn't. I was under the impression that they were a professional promotion. I didn't realize that they were in their second show ever, and they were ran by a couple of folks who weren't actually in the business. I didn't understand that. I, I was super new to the business. But uh, the person that they put me in the ring with was an untrained um, person, and so that's always that's my craziest like bad moment in the business because I didn't realize the person was untrained, like legitimately had no training at all. And so it was dangerous, but we got out of there and I, I like to call that my broomstick match because in their business, they say you're supposed to be able to have a match with a broomstick that night. I wish they would have gave me the broomstick. (laughs) Wow. My (laughs) goodness. Like you said, you guys got out of there live. My, my goodness. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, it was crazy. But that night I met Awesome Kong for the first time, and she was an absolute sweetheart. She is the sweetest woman in the entire wrestling business. Very cool. And a legit okay. badass. That's a shoot. Now, She's a badass. Who has been some of your favorite people to work? Is a, a gentleman named Chris who I trained with down at JPWA. Um, he, him and I had such great chemistry because we lived together. You know, we were roommates and he's a small guy, but he's a hell of a striker. He's very similar to the 1990s New Japan and war uh, junior heavyweight. That's his style. He's not a big flyer, but he's a very technical, um, very athletic guy. And he strikes so hard. 
Um, so I enjoyed working with him a lot. And uh, another one would be uh, Insane Dane uh, from down in Knoxville, a JPWA guy also. Uh, legitimate six foot five, two hundred twenty pounds, giant pale ginger. Uh, that he's basically a giant kid come to life. His entire gimmick is very Nickelodeon based when it comes to his gear. He's a great professional wrestler, great character. Every fan that goes and sees Insane Dane remembers him. So I'm a huge fan of his, and I enjoyed working with him when I was in JPWA. Um, in Iowa, a fellow named uh, Shanky, the Shank, um, Brandon Eubanks out of uh, Waterloo. He's a fantastic wrestler, very underrated. He's another big guy like myself. So we have, we had a really solid match, first match back in Iowa back in February. I loved that match. It was a ton of fun with him. We had some good spots in it. Uh, one of my favorite parts of that match is uh, we got the entire arena standing on a hope spot in a bear hug. You know, people can rest hold. But <laughs> I don't believe in rest hold because if you're resting in any hold, then you're not working. You're not working the fans. You should be able to get a reaction out of a headlock in the wrestling yeah, business. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like we did that night. The fans were behind the behind the baby face, which was myself, and completely and fully against the heel. There was no doubt who they were with that night. Because Shanky's a really good heel. He made a kid cry and a mom make a Facebook post about it that night. Okay, By just yeah, not yeah. high-fiving the kid. Like, he really got heat with that crowd. And that's something that a lot exactly. of fans don't understand. Is heat is supposed – I mean wrestlers, I'm sorry. Don't understand that heat is a good thing. You're supposed to have the crowd wanting to kill you. You're not supposed yeah, yeah. to have them all. We, we boo him because we're supposed to boo him. Like, yeah, no, yeah. you boo me because I don't like you. I'm telling you I don't like you. And I think your town sucks and your girlfriend's ugly and your mom's fat and whatever it takes to get the crowd to not like you. That's your job. A lot of guys can't handle the hate. But Shanky, Shanky loves it. He revels in that. Um, except for in Waterloo. He's Superman in Waterloo. Okay, yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, now what suggestions would you have for people wanting to get into the business? Go to a legitimate professional wrestling trainer. Do not just go to the closest school. Do your research. Um, find somebody, not just with name value. I don't just mean go, oh, go to a WWE guy. No, that's not what I mean. Because a lot of them guys don't know how to train either. What I mean by go to a legitimate trainer is look at some of the people that person has trained. They don't have to be The Rock. They don't have to be Kurt Angle like Dr. Tom or Mark Henry or any of those guys. But look at the talent. Think of, all right, what talent do I like to watch? And that's what I did. I thought, who did I like to watch as a kid? And I wrote a list down. And then I looked up who trained those people. And it it was Dr. Tom for like 70% of the list. And then I find out he has a school. I applied there and I... And I went because – and it was the best decision I've ever made, uh, legitimately the best decision of my entire life. So when I say that, take the time if you want to get in the wrestling business, think, okay, who trained the people I love to watch, and do they own a school, and are they available to go to? If not, who is someone with a credible reputation in the wrestling business, not only with fans, not only with wrestlers, but with promoters, with talent with ring announcers with referees with 
people inside the business who has legitimate credibility. Because going to a good school, I mean, they're everywhere. In, in California, you've got Santino Brothers. They're incredible. They've put out all kinds of talent. Uh, like, uh, oh, uh, Jake Atlas, Kid Bandit. I could go on. Those are some modern indie guys, but they're great at producing talent that knows how to actually work in the wrestling business. Uh, you got JPWA with Dr. Tom in Knoxville, Tennessee. You got the wild Samoans down in Florida with Rikishi and, uh, or with Afa and Sika. And then you got Rikishi and Gangrel. They're over in California, if I'm not mistaken. You have in Texas, reality of wrestling with Booker T. Um, you got in Austin, uh, Dustin Rhodes' school. In Atlanta, you got Cody's school with Glacier and QT and all those guys. They're incredible. Um, if you're in the Midwest, you have Leland Race's school, who's Harley Race's son in Kansas City. Um, you have uh, uh, Niles Plunk school. He's incredible. Miranda Gordy, Terry Gordy's daughter, is with Niles Plunk. They have a school. They train with guys. They're great. Um, you have uh, Mike Mondo, who I think is truly the best young mind in the wrestling business. He was Mikey of the Spirit Squad. Um, if okay, you yeah. haven't checked out his Twitter page, he's incredible when it comes to psychology. I talk to Mike every couple months on the phone for hours just about the wrestling business because he has such a love for the old school stuff like I do. And if you want to talk to a guy who literally has faced Shawn Michaels, John Cena, Ric Flair, Triple H, Edge, RVD, guys like that, that's Mike Mondo. But when I say go to a legitimately, it's worth it. Really is, it's worth it. Definitely, yes. Okay, man, uh, we got about ten minutes left here. But before I give you back to Sign Guy, I do. I got to do a little little quick wrap. But I do want to wish you all the luck in the world. I know Sign Guy's got a little bit more. So let me give you back to the man who's so fly. He's gonna make you high. He's gonna take you to the sky. I don't have to lie. Let me tell you why the kid Sign Guy might be better than baseball, hot dogs, and apple pie. Sign Guy, how you doing, baby? Doing all right today, Coach. Oh, Amy, listen off a lot of great schools, and Iowa traditionally is a state that uh, they've had a lot of independent wrestling. They were part of the Central States territory that Bob Geigel had for decades. Harley Race, of course, one of the owners. Vern Gagne owned part of it. Bill Watts owned part of it. A lot of uh, great pro wrestling history there, even though people don't necessarily think of Iowa when they think of professional wrestling. It's more of a amateur hotbed. Do you personally go into sort of the history of pro wrestling to see what has happened in Iowa back in the territorial days and early yeah. independent wrestling, even up to when the national companies were coming through, things of that nature? Yes, I'm a huge fan of stuff like that. A lot of people actually don't know this. I'm about to give a little bit of a history lesson. Um, in 1945, uh, in a small hotel in Waterloo, Iowa, the National Wrestling Alliance was formed. And the first world heavyweight title legitimately recognized all across the world in the country was formed in Waterloo, Iowa. 
So the world heavyweight title was founded in Iowa. Another piece of professional wrestling history. Uh, Frank Gotch, the greatest champion of the 20th century, was born in Iowa, about 50 miles from where I was born. Um, he was the first major star in the wrestling business in the 1910s. Him and George Hackenschmidt sold out arenas in Chicago, like the original ball field in Chicago. They sold out for their match with no TV, with just radio advertising. Um, so there's a huge, rich history of professional wrestling in Iowa. Like you mentioned, Central State. We were a major territory for three different territories. For Central States out of Kansas City, they owned a big, big portion of Iowa. Um, up north, Vern Gagne owned the northern part of Iowa, and he would run Des Moines sometimes. Chicago, which was Vern Gagne, was huge for Vern. So in between Minneapolis and Chicago, oftentimes he would hit Des Moines. Um, you had uh, St. Louis, the St. Louis Wrestling Club, with Wrestling from the Chase, Sam Munchnick's promotion. At one point, they owned a portion of Iowa. So Iowa has a great rich history of not only amateur wrestling, but professional wrestling. And a lot of that professional wrestling history comes from us being so elite at amateur wrestling. Well, we have a few minutes of the show left today, and I want to give that time to you. If there is anything that you would like to say to the listeners, anything you want to plug and promote, social media, upcoming appearances, merchandise, anything like that, floor is all yours. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, when it comes to plugging some stuff, I actually do have one major shameless plug I'd like to pull here real quick. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Connersville, Indiana at the Armory, a historic building where the, not only the Road Warriors have wrestled, but Dick the Bruiser, the Crusher, um, uh, Dick Murdoch, uh, Bobby Heenan has been there. Uh, several different major stars have come in and out. Uh, guys like Nick Bockwinkle, guys like Blackjack Mur or Blackjack Murdoch, uh, Blackjack Mulligan. I mean, I'm sorry, rather, uh, Blackjack Lanza, guys like that. Major professional wrestling stars have wrestled in that building. And Thanksgiving weekend, the best in the Midwest tournament for world's finest wrestling. I will be competing, representing Iowa. Um, like I just mentioned, the history of professional wrestling in Iowa. We we are the greatest. State when it comes to amateur wrestling, and we've really kind of gotten some disrespect when it comes to pro wrestling recently, and I want to make that right in the best of the Midwest tournament. I want to show why we are truly the most elite, not only amateur wrestling state, but pro wrestling state. It's a 16-man tournament um, with every state in the entire Midwest represented, and I intend to win that tournament to win the first ever best of the Midwest Cup, but then I also want to win that Midwestern Heritage title for World Finest Wrestling. Well, Aiden Perry, I want to thank you so much today for being on the show. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to join us, and I want to wish you the best of luck as you continue Onward with your career, and hopefully our paths will cross at some point. It sure will. I, I enjoyed it so much. It was my pleasure, guys. Thank you.
Thank you. One All right, well, fans, definitely go check him out. If he's at an arena near you, jump on the social media, start following him, get on the bandwagon at this early stage in his career. I think you'll be seeing more of him on bigger stages not too long from now. Coach, as we wrap up today, what have you got to say, plug and promote? I just want to say thank you to all the fans and for you, for all you guys do, and for your input and support and feedback. We appreciate it so much. And uh, you guys can check me out next Saturday at noon Pacific. I'll have Scotty Mack on. I'm looking to get Mike Rogers on here soon. He's got his third book came out, or another book came out, The Encyclopedia of Portland Wrestling, so I'm excited to talk to him about that. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. It is number one in the professional wrestling book category right now, so it's doing gangbusters already. Well, you can find me later today if you are at the Climate Pledge Arena. I'm headed down to the Wrestle Dream Show. If you see me, come say hello. Get a business card for Turnbuckle Turmoil. Take a picture. Chicken Bob will be with me. You can shake his wing if you'd like. We will be back with you next week, next Friday afternoon on the show. We're joined by Ben Dossman out of Alaska. We also have with us a week from today, Matt Classic back on the show. He is, of course, in the office there at the AIWF Wrestling Organization, which has affiliates all over the world. We'll get the latest going on of the AIWF from him. You can find me on the YouTubes, the Book of Faces, the Twitter, wherever you find the social media. Myself and Chicken Bob, sure to be nearby. Everybody stay safe out there. Get out, support your local independent wrestling wherever it may be near you, and we will talk to you soon.